Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Can we celebrate that here in the room, 12 Stone Home? What God's doing all across the country, the influence of the church is not just here. Your influence goes well beyond what we do just right here in the greater Gwinnett area. But I want to start today by praying for Rocket City. They launch a week from this Sunday. So on the 24th, they're launching their first service. 33 years ago, 12 Stone launched our first service. Remember those days, and we want to ask that God would go before them. So would you pray with me here and at 12 Stone Home? And so Jesus... Thank you for Brian and Shannon. Thank you for the call in their life. God, thank you for connecting them with us. God, they started in a living room just like I'm standing in here. And God, look what you've done already. And God, you've got so much more for them in this next season. So God, would you draw men and women who are far from you? Would you bring them to that theater in Huntsville, Alabama? God, would they hear about the good news of Jesus? And because of the generosity of 12 Stone, God, and because of your kindness, would you grow a church Would you reach people, and would they come to know Jesus because of it, God? So would you bless Brian and Shannon and all the people of Rocket City in these coming weeks, God? We love you in your name. Amen and amen. So today we jump into sort of a continued series. If you remember, in the fall, we started in the book of Ephesians, and we talked about uh, we're going to walk through over several months, chapter 1 through 6 of Ephesians. We started uh, way back in the fall in chapter 1, and we made it through five and a half chapters, and then we took a pause for Christmas and for New Year's, and and now we find ourselves in the second half of chapter 6 of Ephesians. And listen, I believe it was divinely set up for us to be in the second half of chapter 6 in this time in our history. Listen, I don't think this is a mistake that we, we got all the way to where we went and paused and we restarted in this walk through Ephesians today because I think God has a reason for us in this section. You see, over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about this topic, spiritual warfare. See, listen, when I say that, <laughs> when I say spiritual warfare, half the room sort of shirks back like that's scary. What are we going to talk about? Some of the people in the room are like, yes, finally, you see the devil behind every cough and every bush and everything. Like, the devil's everywhere. Ah, that's the devil coming at me again. My kid had, got sick. And I, no, like, this conversation is so much bigger than that. See, for most of us, our concept of, of spiritual warfare has been shaped more by Hollywood sensationalism and, and scary exorcist movies from the 90s than it has from Scripture. See, I think God wants to invite us into a massive conversation, and maybe God wants to wake us up to a new awareness. See, there is a spiritual world that exists. There is more than we can see with just our physical eyes. And if you grew up around the church, this this conversation might not be new. You might have at least an intellectual awareness of it. Maybe you're hanging out with us, and you're not like a church person. Maybe you're newer in this thing, and you're like, I don't get it. It makes sense that we don't get it because this world sort of teaches the concept of naturalism, meaning we've got flesh and blood. You've got the things you can taste, touch, see, smell, feel, and there's nothing beyond that. If it can't be run through the scientific method, it doesn't really count. And maybe today, as we walk through Ephesians 6, God might just be whispering to you, you've been duped. You, You have been fooled. There is... 
another world that you cannot see with your physical eyes. And that world is pulling strings and driving agendas in the physical world that we all exist in. In fact, maybe you would say it this way. A spiritual warfare might say, there is more going on than you can see on the news. If you've been watching the news the last nine months, you can't say that one plus one equals two, right? One plus one equals 17. Like, I'm missing something. It doesn't add up. What's happening in our country is, is way more than just the, the culmination of bad parenting, human stupidity, and politics, right? You watch the news with me, don't you? What is going on? How can we be so divided? How can we hate each other? How can we live across the street and be so distant and divided? Spiritual warfare. There's an agenda being played out. See, and what Paul's going to tell us in Ephesians 6 is he's going to tell us there is a spiritual world at play, and if you don't look for it, you'll never see it. And maybe God wants to awaken a church to the battle that is raging in the spiritual realm. See, the first word that Paul says in Ephesians 6 is the word finally. And if you're a church kid, my dad was a pastor. When the preacher says finally, you go, finally, right? Like we're coming to an end. But my dad, when he said finally, he never meant it because he always had 20 more minutes. So you, you read chapter 6 and you, he goes, finally, you think it's over. But he takes a turn. He says finally, what he's really saying is, listen, in light of everything I preached through the first five and a half chapters, here's what you need to know. In fact, we broke down the book of Ephesians. Guys, would you put it up there for us? We broke down the book of Ephesians into two parts. The first half, chapters one through three, was theology. Like this is, this is all the underpinning underneath the gospel. What is true? What did Jesus actually do for us on the cross? It says that we were dead and then alive in Christ. It's this beautiful story, this beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's the underpinning to everything that we need to know. Then the second half of Ephesians, Paul breaks it down and, and gets practical. Like if all this Jesus stuff is true, then how should we live? And it talks about how we do relationships, how we do marriage, how we do parenting, how you should work. It does all, it just breaks all these things down and then in the weirdest way, Paul makes a flip in the second half of chapter 6, and he adds this concept of war. Like as a tag on the end, it's just like all this beautiful stuff, and then he just goes, by the way, you're in a war. It's like, what? It's like watching a children's movie, and the very end of it, like a scary image comes up. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I love, I love the first half, man, the beauty of the theology. I love the second half, man, the practical, and then Paul goes, but listen, you're in a war. And Bruce, can I get my table out here in a second? We're in a war. And what we learn about in Ephesians is this, is we learn that what Paul is saying, when he says finally, he's saying that in light of everything else I said, there is a war that covers all of what we're doing for a believer. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are at war. And here is what Paul says in Ephesians 6. Here's the passage we're going to be sitting inside of today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is the passage we're going to camp out in. 
kind of freaky when you read it. You're like, whoa, heavenly realms and spiritual darkness and what's going on? We're going to unpack it. But let me say it like our prayer warrior Chris Morgan says it. The gospel is a love story set in the backdrop of war. The gospel is a love story of a God who sent his own son Jesus to bring you back to life spiritually. But it's set with the backdrop of war. There is a war raging. And Paul's saying, listen, there's more happening in the spiritual world than you can see with your physical eyes. And I would be remiss as a pastor if I didn't tell you what was really happening in our world right now. It's been happening for generations, way before we got here. It didn't start nine months ago. This has been going on forever. There's a spiritual war happening. And believers, we don't have a choice. The war's in our backyard. See, my family, we moved into a, a house about four years ago. Uh, we had a house before that too, but we moved into a new house. Uh, so we moved into a house about four years ago. In our backyard, there was a creek. So my kids were so excited. They discovered that in the backyard, we had our own little water playground where they'd go out every day in the summertime. They'd put their bathing suits on, and they'd go run up and down this creek. It was beautiful. And they took their boogie boards from the beach, and they'd ride through this little muddy creek, and they'd have mud fights. They'd throw mud at each other. They had a blast. The neighbor kids would come out. This was incredible. Their own little playground. And my wife Amber and I were happy because it was free. We didn't have to pay for it, right? Lake Lanier is expensive, so we have our own little water park in the backyard. It was awesome. Then one day, the neighbor lady comes out. She was an older lady, and she didn't come out very often, so we didn't bump into her. But we happened to bump into her at this point, and it was weird because the look on her face was like terror. Like, why are the kids back there? So my wife's like, hey, what's up? She said, why are you allowing your kids to play in the creek? Because it's fun. Why? She said, there's poisonous snakes everywhere. The first thought my wife had was, where have you been the last two summers? The kids have been out there this whole time. What are you talking about? But what was her reaction immediately? Kids, get out of the creek, right? Get out. She runs back there, pulls them out. The kids are so confused. They're muddy, head to toe. See, what happened in that moment? The bubble was popped. See, what we saw as a playground suddenly became a battleground. See, what we saw as fun and free suddenly became a place we had to be on guard. Where my kids once played, now they had to battle. And we couldn't live in the same house anymore and pretend like there weren't enemies in the backyard. See, I think what Paul's doing in Ephesians 6 is saying, listen, you're going to go home to the same house, the same apartment, the same job, the same school, but you're going to go back with a new awareness there's an enemy. And church, maybe for far too long, we've been living like my kids have been living the first two years before we knew about the snakes. For honest, we treat this world like a playground. Looking for the next fix of fun. And I hope my 401k keeps going well. I want the American dream, looking for the next piece of entertainment. I think God's going, church, wake up. There's a battle that you don't see that's raging in the spiritual world. And we're here looking at a playground thinking, where's my next bit of fun? And God's going, wake up, it's a battleground. We're not at recess, we're at war. And I want us to read Ephesians 6 again in light of this. Listen, this is what Paul's telling us. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Because we're at war. 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is where we live. There's an invisible world that's driving agendas in the physical world, and we can't see it until we wake up to it. And notice that Paul doesn't invite the believers into it. Like, hey guys, do you want to jump into spiritual battle? No, he declares it as fact. It's here, it's in our own backyard. See, most people can only explain where we stand now by history. You got to look back. And this war started a long time ago. And I want to, I want to sort of give us a, a spiritual warfare 101 class today. And many of you are new to 12, so you're like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> this is kind of weird. What are we talking about? Listen, Paul puts this in the practical sections of Ephesians, the, the second half, because to him, this is just daily life. It's practical to him. So let me, let me start here. If we're at war, we have to have an enemy. And if you're taking notes, here's a blank. Satan is our enemy. Simply put, Satan is our enemy. In verse 10, he says, against the devil's schemes, he's naming the enemy. The first five and a half chapters of Ephesians, he introduces us to our Father in heaven and our Savior Jesus. Now he goes, listen, I want to introduce you to the enemy, and that's the devil. Where did the devil come from? In Luke 10, 18, Jesus said this, and it's, it's, a, it's a statement he made and then sort of moved on from, but I want to read it. Luke 10, 18, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. See, although not explicitly recorded in Scripture, most scholars believe that Satan was originally an angel, which means he was a created being, a created servant of God. And Satan was in, in heaven at one point. He was a beautiful angel, but he looked at God and the high position that God was in, and he had jealousy for it. He wanted who God was. He wanted the seat that God was sitting in. And so he, he led a rebellion in heaven. And picture this. He led a rebellion in heaven and tried to take over took a third of the angels with him, and his coup d'etat was, was stopped. And God cast him out of heaven, and Jesus said, I, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. He, his coup d'etat was defeated, and he was thrown out of heaven. And now he's on earth, and he spends his time trying to do the very thing he tried to do in heaven, steal as much glory from God that he can. And he does that by attacking us and chasing us and pursuing us and stirring up dissent right here on earth. See, John, 1 John 5.19 says this. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Listen, if we're a follower of Jesus, we are of God. If you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you are of God. But this world is occupied territory. We're behind enemy lines for right now. And the Bible gives us a bunch of names for the devil, for Satan. And I, I think we can learn about how he operates based on his name. So again, here's Spiritual Warfare 101. Here's his first name, Satan. It's mentioned 52 times in Scripture. Satan, and that means the accuser. That means when you have that voice whispering to you, you're not good enough. Oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. You don't deserve the relationship you're in. He's the accuser. This is what he does. The next name that the Bible uses is the devil. It's slanderer. That's what that means. He's a liar. Scripture says that, that Satan is the father of lies. He lies to you. He whispers lies. 
Is there any reason that there's no such thing as truth in this country right now? I've never seen a time where an event can happen and we are so split over what just happened. There's no truth anymore. Why? Because the devil is a slanderer. This is his agenda. It goes on. He's the tempter. He loves to make bad things look good. Hey, this is okay. Just do this. That's not just your humanity every time. There is an evil one. And his armies are running around tempting us. And lastly, Scripture says he's our enemy. See, God and Satan are locked in a battle. And we're stuck in the middle of it on this earth. And Satan is scheming. But it's more than we just have an enemy. Satan's our enemy, yes. But Satan, if you're taking notes, he has an agenda. He's driving an agenda. Are you watching his agenda play out in our world right now? If I was Satan, you know what I'd do? I would use a global pandemic to socially distance us. But I would, I'd make sure there's social media. Because that'll let us stay relationally distant, but still able to speak outspokenly with pride. Then I'd throw in some racial divide, some political divide, and I'd stir it up. I'd wind everybody up, and then I'd let them just go after each other. He has an agenda in this. You cannot watch the news and think, this is just, we're a bunch of dummies. No, he's driving an agenda, church. Wake up. There is a battle raging. See, John 10.10 10 gives us a look into his agenda. Satan's agenda is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Satan prowls around like a lion, a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. This is his agenda. In Ephesians 2, we learn this fall that God's agenda is like, we are now wanting Christ. What do you think Satan's agenda is? To divide us. He's driving an agenda. And most of us don't see how he works because our view of Satan has been formed by cartoons as a kid when he's this red guy with a pitchfork and some horns, right? Or movies in the 90s where I watched The Exorcist and I about didn't sleep for a month, like when I was in college, right? Like that, when I see it, like that's what I see, like this demon voice coming out and throwing up and crawling on this, like what? That's not how, Satan is way more white collar than that. Satan comes at us with beautiful things. And he covers up beautiful things or bad things with beautiful wrappings. It's, a, it's an onion dipped in caramel and you think it's a caramel apple, right? That's how Satan works. That's gross, by the way. He's way more white collar than that. He tempts us with power and influence, affluence and, pl and pleasure, and he's looking for a foothold See, in battle, you're trying to take ground. He's climbing against God, and he's looking for a foothold in our life to destroy us. See, Satan has an agenda for this world. Satan has an agenda for this country. Satan has an agenda for this territory. It gets personal. Satan has an agenda for your family. Satan has an agenda for your kids. Satan has an agenda for your soul. And I would be remiss as a pastor if I didn't wake us up to the battle that's raging. See, everything that God wants to redeem, Satan wants to destroy. Everything that God loves, Satan hates. Everything that God created for good, Satan wants to twist it and make it bad. And God is calling the church to wake up. See, church, God gave us a vision to be rooted in prayer, 
to live because of Jesus and to see God transform souls, families, communities. What do you think Satan's agenda is? To keep us not rooted in prayer, to keep us from living for Jesus and to de destroy souls and families and communities. And listen, if it wasn't clear in verses 10 and 11, Paul's saying, I need to say it again. Let me tell you who the battle is against. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I want us all here at 12 Stone Home, say this out loud together. Say it with me like you mean it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not my enemy. Tell them that. If you're at 12 Stone Home, one of the campuses, tell them right now. Say, you're not the enemy. Paul's telling us, sometimes you look like it. When I see you on social media, sometimes I want to slap you, but you're not the enemy. Paul's saying, listen, your struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Oh, if I could pull the veil back, like God did for several people in Scripture. If I could pull the veil back and you could see what was really happening in the spiritual war, we would all be embarrassed, church. We make the fight against other people. God's warning us, when you fight other people, you're fighting in a little war and you're distracted from the real war. When you sit on social media and you're just bashing back and forth, oh, church, can we wake up? There's an agenda. We have an enemy. He has an agenda. It'd be like my kids playing in the creek and fussing with each other while there's snakes everywhere. Hey, dummies, wake up. <laughs> You're fighting each other. There's snakes. Paul's saying, listen, your fight is against the spiritual darkness in this world, the evil one, Satan. See, here's what Satan likes to do. It's like a game I used to play in college. I was, give me grace. This was a long time ago. We'd like to be at parties. A bunch of people hanging around. And what we like to do is we like to try to sneak, slap somebody in the back of the head, and then get back in the conversation. That person turns around. It's like, what up, dude? Come on, bro. What are you doing? And they'd fight someone, the wrong person. Can you picture? I need, you need to see this. I need, can, I, can I use you for a second? I'm going to use you. Come up here. I need one other person. Who wants to be used? Anybody? Anybody want to be used for a second? Get up here real quick. Give them a hand. Thank you for getting up here. There's stairs there, stairs there. I need you to see this. You're going to be a human prop. What's your name? Johnny. Johnny, nice to meet you. What's your name? Mike, nice to meet you. Get over here, Mike. Who wants to get slapped? <laughs> it's a question you didn't think you were going to get asked today at church. All right, I need you over here. You're looking over here, all right? Johnny, you don't know what's going on. You're just hanging out at the party. I'm the bad guy here. This is what we used to do in college. If I smacked you right there, where would you look? Right there. And what am I doing? <laughs> Laughing. What does he do? He pushes Johnny. What does Johnny do? I didn't do anything. Pushes him back, right? I want you to, it's, it's funny in college. It's scary right now. This is what we're doing to each other. This guy gets smacked. He turns around. He's got a Democrat back there. That Democrat just did something to me. I'm a Republican. It can flip. He gets smacked. He turns around. Who's he see? It's a Republican back there. And who am I? In this situation, I'm Satan. And what am I doing? I'm over here laughing. Church, this is the agenda that's happening. Your husband comes home from work. He had a rough day. 
The wife's at home. They had to homeschool the kids today, and she's exhausted. He comes in and says something dumb. Smack. He turns. Now the fight's between a husband and a wife, and Satan's over here laughing. Church, we have to wake up to what God's really painting this picture for us of. There's a battle raging, and Satan wants us to think that it's that guy that smacked me. And God's going, no, there's a battle you don't see. Can we thank these guys? Thank you guys for being up here. Thank you for letting me smack you like 10 times. I wasn't too hard. We used to smack harder in college. See, that's, that's how Satan does it. He wants us to, to convince us that we're at odds with each other. See, but when you see and when you're awakened to the spiritual battle that's at play, it frees us up to love people and hate Satan as opposed to hate people and not even know that Satan's driving an agenda. See, why did we start today with a prayer from Dr. Reverend, Reverend Martin Luther King? Because he got this. See, as a pastor, why did Martin Luther King Jr. start civil disobedience, preaching and prayer? Because he knew he was in a spiritual war. And you don't fight spiritual war Wars with physical weapons, you fight them with spiritual ones. See, Martin Luther King Jr. knew that his real enemy, his ultimate enemy, was not racist people or politicians. His real enemy was the devil. See, racism is a spiritual sin, it's a condition. You don't think Satan uses racism to just pull strings. Martin Luther King knew, listen. The real enemy is not on this earth. The real enemy is in the spiritual realm. Why do we celebrate him today? Because he got it. See, fighting spiritual battles with physical weapons is like trying to tighten a screw with a hammer. It looks good from a distance, but it doesn't work. God's calling the church, listen, wake up. Church, for far too many of us, we're engaged in these small little battles and we're distracted from what the real agenda is. See, over the next two weeks, Pastor Kevin is going to unpack for us what does the battle really look like? See, we're enlisting in the wrong wars for some of us. The war's right in our backyard. See, when we told my kids about the snakes, they had really opposite reactions. It was interesting. So my daughter, we sat him down and said, honey, listen, there's poisonous snakes in the creek. And this was Lizzie's reaction. All right, I'm done. I'm never going outside again. That's her. I, it's, it's over. I'm never, it's done. This is my new home. I live here. There is no yard. I'm done. That was my daughter. That's pretty good. If you knew my daughter, spot on. <laughs> she didn't just lose the creek. She lost the whole outside. My son's the opposite. Dad, the creek's so fun. Can we just go back to how it was? Like, can we just pretend there's no snakes and let's just go back to how it was? See, my daughter lived in fear and she lacked courage. My boys wanted to live in foolishness and it lacked wisdom. And I think many of us, our reaction to the spiritual warfare conversation is sort of those two paths. Either we cower in fear like this is so freaky, I'm so scared, and, and you pull back. Or we just go, I want to go back to how it is. Like, I'll do the church thing on Sunday, but when I leave, I don't want to be thinking about this. There's a devil, and he's chasing me, and he's got demons. I don't want to think about that. 
You know what we did for our kids? We didn't let them cower in fear. We didn't let them run around like there's no snakes and foolishness. We taught them how to live in a world with snakes. What are we doing these next three weeks? We're teaching you how to live in a world with snakes. I said, son, this is what a snake hole looks like. Don't go put your finger in there. Son, this is how snakes hide. Like, this is what they do. They're more afraid of you, but if you corner them, they're going to attack. So just be really careful. Here's what you do if you see a snake. Like, we taught them how to go still have fun in the creek, but live responsibly, awoken and aware of the enemy in the backyard. See, let me, let me say it this way. If, if you're taking notes, you don't need to hide in fearfulness or play in foolishness. You should fight in confidence. Church, this is what God's calling us to. Don't hide in fearfulness or play in foolishness. Fight in confidence. Why? Because if you are in Christ, the victory is not in question. If you're in Christ, the victory is not in question. Here's just some scriptures about the victory that Jesus uh, conquered on the cross. John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Christ in me is greater than the evil one in the world. We don't have to live in fear. Christ defeated sin on the cross, and when he comes again, he will destroy it forever. But right now, we're stuck in occupied territory. It's a battle raging everywhere. See, the gospel is a love story set in the backdrop of war. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week, and we were talking about, I love, I love war documentaries. Anybody else here at home in the chat? I love war documentaries. See, when I, when I watch like a World War II documentary, I notice that my heartbeat doesn't race. I don't get nervous. My palms don't get sweaty. Why? Because I know how it ends, right? I don't know. I don't, I'm not confused at like, do we win World War II? Yes, we won. Thank you, God. But then I flip to the news, and my heart starts racing. Why? Because I don't know exactly how this next season is going to play out. I'm watching this happen everywhere. And the news is real good at showing us the conflict. Why is my heart racing? Because I don't know the ending. Listen to God Everything is the history channel. To God, everything, nothing is surprising him. He holds the world in his hands. And although this is enemy territory, don't be confused about who wins. The ultimate war is secured, but we have to battle in the daily here and now. So just two things. Let me do the pastor thing. And so finally, <laughs> let me give you two things. How do you fight in confidence? The first one, Fight the real enemy. Fight the real enemy. Church, the world needs to see a church that's united, not infighting. In the darkest times of history, the church shines the brightest. And if we make each other the enemy, we've already lost. The world knows how to draw lines and separate by racial and skin color stuff. The world knows how to divide by political stuff. The world knows how to divide by our view of how to respond to COVID. The world knows how to do that, but we are called to something higher. Fight the real enemy. You have an enemy. He has an agenda. He is Satan. 
Not your spouse, not your kids, not your boss, not your crazy neighbor. The enemy is Satan. Fight the real enemy. And second, fight in prayer. You don't fight spiritual wars with physical weapons. See, we're in a season where we're going to war in prayer. And if you've been dialing into 21 days of prayer with us, you've seen us gather here Monday through Friday at 7.15 a.m. And what you see in this prayer broadcast, you see a living room. I see a war room. See, what we're doing every day in prayer is we're going to battle. And maybe you have been asleep figuratively or literally this week. And maybe God would use today to wake, awaken you to the spiritual reality that you're at war. And prayer is one of the best weapons God gives us. And maybe you need to say, all right, I'm in. I've slept through week one. You got 14 days left. Where do I start in spirit? Right here. This is where we do battle. And maybe you need a reminder. We wanted to do something creative and helpful for you. One of the first things most of us see in the morning is our phone, right? We got to check and see who texted, who emailed, if you still do email anymore, who, who commented on my post. So we've created a wallpaper for your phone. You can download that at 12stone.com slash 21 days. It's going to be all over social media. There's a bunch of different versions of it. You're like, I don't like blue. Great. Pick a different one. <laughs> we got plenty of colors. And this is just your reminder. You wake up. The first thing you look at is our battle. All right. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. I'm at battle. I'm at war. When I go to the office, I don't go there as a playground. I go there as a battleground saying, God, there are spiritual things at play. Give me eyes to see who my real enemy is. It's not the annoying coworker, God. There's agendas being driven. When I go to school, my enemy's not that guy or that guy or that guy or this teacher. There's a war. I'm in a battle. My prayer for you as the campus pastors start to step up. My prayer for you, my prayer for us as a church, God, would you awaken us to the spiritual reality that there is an evil one. We have an enemy. That enemy has an agenda, but we can fight in confidence. So campus pastors, would you wrap us in prayer? So right here at Sugarloaf, would you bow your heads with me? So Jesus, thank you that we can stand in your victory. Whether you're at 12 Stone Home, whether you're here at Sugarloaf Live, maybe you just whisper under your breath, God, would you give me eyes to see? The places where I've fought other people, made them the enemy. The places where I've gotten passive in battle. The places I've given the enemy footholds. Would you open my eyes to it, God? And would you allow me to fight this week? Would you remind me and empower me this week? And God, ultimately, if we are in you, the victory is not in question. God, would you mark these next two weeks? Listen, maybe the best thing you can do is say, I'm not going to miss the next two weeks. God, if there's a battle, I need to know the weapons you've given me to fight it. God, over the next two weeks, would you awaken a church? Would you rise up a spiritual army to say, we're going to war? Because Jesus, we love you. We serve you. We are rooted in prayer and we're because of you. And God, would you use us to transform souls, families, and communities in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.